This is the Culture Classroom Podcast with JT and Coach Weave. Uh, today, JT, we're going to be diving into everything matters when it comes to a football program, a basketball program, or even in a classroom, how everything revolves around a certain topic, a certain uh, idea, but everything matters, especially if you want to win a national championship. So if Dabo Sweeney was in your uh, office as well, he would say something along the lines of how everything matters for a championship program. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Coach Weaver. Uh, it's great to be back in the classroom with you again. Uh, when I think about everything matters, I think about the process. So whether we're talking Alabama or more teams are starting to use that, I feel like process is a word that's infiltrating high school and youth sports right now. But you can't mop the floor if you don't sweep first. Because if you try to mop the floor first without sweeping, you're going to get mud. That's right. And I think that's, I think that's what you're uh, saying when it comes to everything matters. There's a process to everything. Right. So um, our, our guys, this past week, we, we did our motivation thing before we lifted on Monday morning. And uh, the towels were not where they needed to be in the locker room. Uh, there was trash on the floor, and uh, Coach Davis let them know about it because if you're not going to take care of things inside of your locker room, like picking up a towel or picking up a piece of garbage and putting it 10 feet away from uh, where you're standing and just go dump it in the garbage can, whether regardless if it's yours or it's somebody else's, but taking pride in your locker room, in your weight room, all those things, uh, the little things, and you hear you hear it so much, JT, how little little things make a big difference. Well, they do when you start talking about how everything matters. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Coach Leach, Mike Leach at Washington State, I mean, he's a card. God bless Mike Leach and what he's done for America and his little fake mustaches and his press conferences. Just is a breath of fresh air in college football. But he writes in his book, Swing Your Sword, that you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. And I think our listeners of our podcast and our message and the things that we put out there, what we do in our program, I want to, I, I don't want things to happen. I want to coach them through it. I don't want to let little things go. I was blessed to work with an administrator early in my career who said, if you take care of the little things, the big things won't happen. And I think that's the message we want to send with everything matters. Man, how you were talking about the uh, Washington State and Mike Leach, the quarterback they had this year, he, he's a homegrown guy from Mississippi, played at Brandon High School, and then went to Troy, Alabama. Didn't uh, like his experience there, and then went the JUCO route, which Mississippi has a rich history of Mississippi JUCOs uh, as far as their football is. And then he went to East Carolina and finally played out his senior year, was going to go to Alabama, and then thought otherwise to go where he would play in the air raid and play with Mike Leach, and then y'all know the rest of the story. So, uh, JT, special guest today. I'm I'm pumped about Coach Moore. Uh, Mitchell Moore is from Roosevelt High School. It's the largest classification. It's 4A in Iowa, and he has got a story to tell. His um, background 
He's played at one of the storied Division III programs ever. Um, they win it all the time, and he will uh, dive into that with Coach Torrey, and y'all are in the classroom. Coach Moore, welcome to the classroom. appreciate you taking some time out of your day and coming on to our podcast. Yeah, you bet, guys. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Coach Weaver just kind of mentioned it right there, but for our listeners, Des Moines Roosevelt is where you are right now. It's one of the largest schools in Iowa. Uh, tell me a little bit about your background and how you were able to get to, to Des Moines Roosevelt. Well, I guess I'm going to start, Coach. You know, uh, I went to school at Wisconsin Whitewater, and I was I was really fortunate. I got an opportunity to play for a national title when I was a senior. And like Coach said, it was it's really one of the most storied programs in in, in Division three football, and, and at a time there maybe in all of college football. So when I got done playing, I got the opportunity to be on the coaching staff and um, and, and coach for Coach Leopold, who's now at the University of Buffalo, but. Uh, just a just an unbelievable opportunity. Um, he, he's he's a model for consistency, and so we I had a chance to win a national title, and then we followed that up in the previous years by winning three in a row in 45 games. And and uh, when you look back at that period in my life, and what I took away from that was just the consistency to the everyday approach that Coach Leopold had within that program. You know, he was a visionary. Um, certainly, he, he was a he was a great leader of men, but. You know, I think what, what took that program and kept that program where it was was the consistency with everyday approach. We knew what we were doing in January in 2014, 15, 16, and so on. I mean, I think that just – he knows what's going on in his program in a 365-day calendar. So that was unique. I got a chance to, for him and really kind of started my career. And from then, I had a chance to go coach with, coach with Paul Rhodes at Iowa State. Came down to – my hometown, you know, college team grew up loving Cyclones, grew up five minutes from Jack Trice Stadium and had a chance to, you know, coach with Coach Rhodes and his staff and just some, some tremendous coaches on, on those staffs in those years I was with Coach Rhodes. And from coach, you know, I, I learned I learned how to coach the game with just great passion and, and great energy. He just had contagious energy in everything he did, and he hired guys that, that fit that mold. And, and he was a guy that was passionate. You never saw him. For the four years I coached with him, have a bad day at practice. You know, no matter what happened before or what was going to happen after, he attacked practice with just this unwavered approach of of energy and contagious energy and, and a locked in focus. And, and so that was that was fun to see. I I, I try to replicate that in, in, in my approach to my practices and my weight room sessions and and so on and so forth. And then and then I and then I was just uh, extremely fortunate when when uh. The, the pitfalls of kind of college football happened to Coach Rhodes and our staff. I, I got to stay on with Coach Campbell when he came, and um, he, he kind of um, encompasses everything that that I've had and, and every coach I've had since I've been in high school. And he, he's got it all. He's, he's the real deal. As, as I know, you guys have, that follow him know know what makes him tick. But he just he treats people the right way. He's an unbelievable X and O guy. He's an unbelievable leader, motivator. Um, he empowers the guys that work for him. And I think that's such a key in this day and age, but he makes every guy in that building make like, make sure that they have a say and feel like they're a part of that program and, and, and wants them to lead in their own Avenue and in the building. And so he just, he's an incredible leader to be around, but he can wear every hat as good as anybody I've ever seen. Uh, tremendous recruiter. He's, he's diligent. He outworks the next guy. Um, he, he also has great passion and energy at practice. Uh, and, but at the same time, he's, 
he's got a great balance in his life and he knows how to treat the people around him um, and, and give them due diligence as well. So that's just, that's, that's been my, my background from a college standpoint. Um, and in between there, I, I, I got to work for a, a high school at the very beginning of my career in Wauwatosa West in, in Wisconsin, outside of Milwaukee, um, a very affluent high school, big class high school in Wisconsin. And then I went the college route. And then about three years ago, um, I decided to take a head coaching job at, at Green County High School in Iowa, uh, a small school, and it was the AD and head football coach, and, and got an opportunity to turn that program around. And so um, just been fortunate. I've, I've been around, had great coaches around me, have had have great men and uh, great character guys around me. And then um, really, at every place I've been, I've had kids that, that love to work. And so that's you know, that, that's certainly something that I've carried over in my vision as I've gotten into Roosevelt, been there for about five weeks. But uh, just we, you got to carry that mantra with you. And just we've got to outwork the guy next and gain an edge every single day. And so that's a little bit, Coach, about my background. I know that was uh, shortened it up a little bit, but um, that's kind of that's what's got me to today at Roosevelt High School. No, I, I think you bring up a great point. Uh, I've been blessed to move all around the country for football jobs. I've seen football at every level from youth all the way to uh, the 49ers and being uh, able to go to three Super Bowls and work for the NFL. And I totally agree. I think there is such thing as a Midwest work ethic. And, yeah. you know, Jeff, Jefferson, Green County, not too far down the road here from Denison, just on Highway 30 as we head toward Ames. And no doubt. It's like, it's rural, it's farming, it's tough. Uh, yep. you've got to do the work no matter what. No one does the work. I grew up on a farm in northwest Iowa. Um, and so I think that, that work ethic is a real thing, and people around the country either don't know about it or appreciate it, but it's something yep. that we Midwestern, Midwesterners cling to, you know? There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, I, uh, well I'll, I'll tell you this. Hold on now. If we're going to talk about Midwest, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I, I'll tell you this, from being being in the South for much of my uh, working years in football, uh, I have, and you saw it this year in the bowl game, how Mississippi State was a good, they were a good SEC football team, but you saw what yep. Iowa did to them. And I think y'all, yep. bring, y'all bring a blue-collar mentality more than any uh, part of the nation where you think, you think Pac-12, it's points allowed conference, and they're going to throw the ball around. I think – the Midwestern states are more of a blue-collar, tough-minded, um, going to go get it done no matter what. So I, yeah, applaud, I, I applaud y'all for that. No doubt. I, th- I think you're exactly right, Coach. I mean, even the, every place I've been has had a hard-hat mentality or a, a lunch-pail-like mentality that you bring to work, kind of the mantra of your team. And, and uh, yeah, you're exactly right. I think that fits with the Midwest and, and who you're raised by and, and what your family's like. And I think that carries into the football programs here. Yeah, that's right. I want to give a quick shout-out to Iowa State University. Uh, I was actually fortunate enough to be on Dan McCarney's staff at Iowa State in 2004. Yeah. And okay. uh, when I was hired, they were 2-10 and 10 the previous year, and our, our motto that year was Upatia. I still have the football on my bookshelf at home. Uh, I still remember <laughs> what Upatia stands for, and it's one of the most improved teams in America. And I think we were able to add five wins to our win total from the previous year and one of Iowa State's only bowl victories in 04. So uh, Cyclone Nation has been through their pangs of growth and development, but uh, the people, they are loyal sons forever true. And there's no doubt about it. 
what's the feeling like taking over one of the biggest programs in Iowa? What's your priority list? I know you're starting to get your feet wet. You've only been there a few weeks. But tell me about what that's been like as you start to create what you want. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. It's Roosevelt's a, a really unique landscape. It's a it's a school that's it's very affluent. It's it's very diverse. Um, it, it's got a rich history uh, of sports in the fifties and sixties, seventies, almost all the way up to the eighties. And really, in the last forty years, football has went to the playoffs twice in the last forty years. And so, it just hasn't been able to can keep that consistency in their program and 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 through the coaches and and athletic directors that have come and gone. And so right now, what, what really attracts me to the program, we've got a principal that's, that's been there. Um, he's going on, you know, over seven years of being in the building. He's got a great vision. Um, the academics are really good. There's support. There's money from the outside. Um, and there's a lot of people that, that want the place to, to be good. And I think that's really important. I think we know as, as being part of coaching staff that we can do as much as we want, but if you don't have outside support, it's hard to, to sustain a championship program. And so, you know, my vision is, is I've gotten into this place is, is just create a belief. And I think that, you know, I talk about what, what Coach Rhodes brought and, and just contagious positive energy to everything we do. I, I want people to walk through the halls and, and want to be around football players, you know, and you got to treat people right. And that starts with our players. we got to treat people right in the community, in the classroom, in the hallways. And, and we have to have fun in what we're doing. Um, but we've got to have a... a an intent when we're in the weight room and when, and when we're in open gym and we're catching a ball in the off season and, and have excitement around our program. And I think we've got to attract numbers. And so that's kind of my first thing is you said it, we've got a big school. Uh, we've got over 1900 kids. We've got kids from all over, um, really all over the country that have moved into a, to a great Des Moines area. Um, and so I've got to attract those kids into our program and, uh, and make sure that, that, that we're having fun and they're getting something out of it. I think if you got a program that is just fun and you're, but, but you're not getting anything out of it, kids aren't going to stay. And so that's kind of my vision early on is just, is create some contagious positive energy and, and, uh, you know, kids like structure, kids like to, to work hard and get something out of it. And so that's what we've done the, the, the first five weeks. We've just had great structure to our programs. Um, we've met with our staff and, and we go into, um, strength and conditioning sessions with with a uh, with a great vision every single day what do we got to do what do we got to accomplish how are we going to get this done and uh, the, the kids feed from that and then and then certainly you know kids are our biggest recruiters in high school and so if they're having a good time they're enjoying being around us um they're they're getting better they're going to recruit kids to be a part of that and so that's kind of it's going into this thing that's that's certainly uh my vision and what it is right now now, Coach, correct, uh, correct me if I'm wrong real quick. This is only your second head coaching job, right? Yeah, so I so I was a, I was a head coach. I took over three years ago a program. We went one and eight. And you talk about, uh, you know, I, I had more self – you know, I self, self-assessed myself, you know, that year more than I ever had. And I learned more as a coach going one and eight than I did winning national championships in Whitewater. I can promise you that. And, and then I just – I stuck with what, what I believed was working. And I took the things and probably more from managerial roles and how can I lead better? How can I do what Matt Campbell does and empower this guy that might not know how to run the route exactly right, but he's a great communicator and put him in a place where he can communicate with kids better and, and do some of those things. So I did that and stuck to my plan from a strength conditioning standpoint, from an X and O standpoint and turned that program around in, in year two and got a share of the district title. And, and it, it came down to just, 
it was the culture part. And I, I know it's cliche and people talk about the process and I agree it's a word that's probably getting overused because of the media and all those things, but, but it's a real thing and you guys know that. It, it's a real thing and, and you've just got to gotta stick to it and, and I'm a big believer in just uh, consistency, doing yeah. it, doing it the same way and, and, and doing it with great energy. Well, what I found so, out, <laughs> what I found out you just said was the first thing you talked about was your culture and your contagious positive energy that you want to create. But then yeah. it also goes into, you said X and O's last. Yeah, and I yeah. think so many yeah. coaches try to find the next best play or the next best scheme to fit their program. When, when if your kids aren't bought in, it, you're not going to get it. So I think for a coach, you see it as you're already bought into your kids. And now it's yeah. easier for your kids to buy into your program. So it's that's kudos, exact, kudos that's to exactly you. exactly right. I, I think you bring up a good point about it's our job to attract kids. Uh, yeah. One of the things that we're facing in Iowa is every year there are less and fewer and fewer kids playing high school football. Yeah. Football's a number sport. You know, yeah. I always talk about how if I have one kid who's ready to get into suburban and, and we've got a wrestling meet, I've got a job. You know, that kid needs me in the corner all day. Football's right. not like that. Right. So I think that's an, uh, an important message. Uh, by the way, you're in the culture classroom also. So we're process thinkers. We, we have all those different formulas that we use for our, our game plan for winning. But Coach Weaver and I are huge supporters of culture and the whole culture, not just on the field, not just in the classroom. Like we want to encompass the whole thing. So it's nice yeah. to hear another like-minded person join us uh, for thoughts on that. You talked earlier about how do you empower high school students. What are your thoughts on that? Or as a new guy coming in and being like, oh, this coach, you're starting that relationship that's the very bottom foundation of anything that we do as coaches or leaders or teachers. Talk about how are you empowering your young leaders at Roosevelt right now? That's a, that's a great question. It's something I think, you know, I certainly did with my last staff and we're beginning to with this staff talk about how to do that. And I think that's a... That's a, a, a conversation that has to continue. It can't stop at, hey, this is how you do it, and we'll do that every year for the next 15 years. I think it's a conversation and a dialect that has got to continue in a staff meeting all the time. We talk about personnel and talk about leadership and talk about how to empower our guys that are driving the bus, our guys that, you know, player-driven leadership wins championships. I think you, you hear that all the time with, with teams that win championships. You hear it when Texas beat Georgia. You know, Coach Herman said it, it, that locker room, in, when those players took control of that locker room, that's when I knew we had a powerful team. And, and so we talk about as a staff, how are we going to empower our players and how are we going to help them lead? We talk about leadership, right, all the time. I think we, you scroll on, on Twitter and you'll see the word leadership a thousand times. But that's not something you give to somebody. That's something you show and that's something you teach. And then, and then through empowering those young kids, they, they get to then teach and learn how to lead. And so what we do with our program is we, we build leadership groups. And each kid, doesn't matter his age, um, it, it gets voted into the leadership group. And that's a, that's a special group in your program and in my program. And that's consistent from 8 to 12 guys that they're in charge of 8 to 12 guys underneath them. And they've got to text them and communicate with them when, when strength and conditioning is, when leadership meetings are you know, when the next community service project is, they've, they're in charge of a group of eight people or 12 people or whatever that number is 
and that gives them a leadership role in their team. And then I think that when I meet with those guys, um, they're, they're the voice in the locker room. And if, if, if there's guys that, why is Coach Moore doing this this morning? Why are we here at this time? What are we doing this? I think those leaders, the, the guys in that leadership group, they can be your voice in the locker room and say, no, this is, you know, we met with Coach, and this is why we need to do this, and this is why it's important to our program and the success of us as young men. And I think if you get the great leadership groups, which I had year two in, in Greene County, I just had a tremendous group of leaders, and, and they were the voice of the team, and, and they carried it. You know, I think we, we lay the foundation as coaches. We, we've done there. We know, we know the standard. We know the work ethic it takes. But at the end of the day, we want our leaders leading the team. We want them telling the guys that, hey, look at Coach when he's talking. Don't be the last guy that runs up to the huddle. Um, you know, treat people with respect outside of this program. Clean up the locker room. Put the towels away. You know, I think we want our kids saying that. Um, and so I think that's kind of how we try to empower people. We try to empower those leaders. And, and we hope those younger kids aspire to be in that leadership group as they get older and grow into our program. And then you'll be in situations where you've got some just – you've got some, you know, some it-factor guys, guys that are mature beyond their years and wise kids that, that are young kids, and they take a leadership role in your program. Um, and that's, that's neat to see too. And I think those are the guys once you get to years, juniors and senior years, can really be special football players. And if we can get that in our program where we've got guys that have been in the leadership group for – two or three years and all of a sudden you've got a really special football program. So um, it, it takes time as you guys know that, but that's, that's kind of the vision in the, in the path that our, our staff takes to, to empower young kids. Right. Well, you know, coach, oh, go ahead, coach I'll B. tell you coach, um, we were on this culture journey and JT and I, I talked, we've talked about this, our team, we had a group this past year that was, it was player led all the way. Uh, they took yeah. ownership of it. Uh, even, uh, we had a defensive lineman who was defensive player of the year for the second year in a row, or second time in three years here. He's at a, he was um, de- he was defensive player of the year as a sophomore, and then again as a senior. Wow! But homecoming, you know he he was the last one out of the weight room, and he was cleaning up the weight room even before he left for the dance. But our team wow. this year went twelve and one. We lost to uh, a team called Jackson Prep, who Jerryon Ely plays on who's one of the yeah. top five recruits, uh, picking between, I think, Ole Miss, Alabama, or Clemson. But we beat them in the regular season 41-21 and lost to them in the championship game. But we went 12-1. and And I really think it was a culture shift from our staff empowering our kids and letting them uh, understand that, hey, seniors are going to lead. But we also told them that, look, there's no hierarchy in leadership. It doesn't matter if right. you're 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. It doesn't matter. Um, and we always told them too in school on the first day of school, I think it's when you empower them in getting, uh, their first day of school, uh, they're meeting their new teachers. They, and I told them, uh, earlier, uh, this year we had second semester. If you have a new semester teacher, I said, look, man, you only get one good time to make a good first impression. There's only one That's chance right. you have to make a first, a first impression. So make it a good one. And That's right. you set that tone and then you set that tone also with, um, with your players, when they meet people, when they go do service projects, like, look, you're putting our program and our school uh, in the forefront when you go represent us. So we want you to put a good showing. So you have to empower them, not expect them, hey, we need you to lead. Well, they need to know how to lead. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You uh, you mentioned that four-letter word, Coach, that T-I-M-E, time. Uh, you know, for as a builder, as turns. And you've gotten the ships going in the right direction. 
what would you tell another coach who says, oh, coach, I mean, I, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to build a leadership council. I don't have time to, to have my players really be driving the bus. What, what would you tell them in a single sentence or two about why the importance for spending your time in that way, what, why is it so important? I just don't think you'll ever have a kid meet his max potential if you don't invest time into building their character and build them as young men. I just, you're, you're never going to have the best football player you can be unless they've taken care of everything outside of football so that when they get to football, when they get to strength and conditioning, when they get to their community service stuff, they can be they can be in the moment and they can be present and they can they can excel at that individual task. And if you're not putting time into teaching that thing, then you're wasting time trying to teach them how to run four verts because there's going to be a period of time when you're teaching that they're not going to have the focus to be able to do that. They're going to, you know, you haven't taught them how to focus and how to lead and 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 how to um, how to listen. And, and so then you might as well throw some of that X and O stuff out the window. If you don't teach them how to, how to, how to lead and how to learn. I think that's just so important. Uh, just a couple more questions, coach, but uh, you talked about a 365 day program. That's something that I had to put together when I actually got my master's in coaching was a 365 day football program. Um, it's something Dan Gable at the university of Iowa did that yeah. started with, 10 p.m. the night that the NCAA finals were over all the way up till 7 p.m. of the following year's NCAA finals. He had a 365-day plan for his wrestlers, and they were going to follow it, or they could find another place to wrestle. Um, Now we are officially 200 days away from the first college football game at the (laughs) time of this taping. Uh, So... How do you keep the eyes on the prize for a high school student in a, in a Twitter, Instagram, Facebook world of, you know, where their attention is all over the place? How do you keep a focus that that 200 days is going to tick by? And what are you doing right now to help our program compete to be better in the fall? What's your first phase you're in right now? Well, I think, I think the word you hit on that, that really got my attention, what I, what I hit on too, is just compete. We, we want ultimate competitors in our program. So, we want to compete in everything we do every single day, kind of reinvent the wheel every morning on, on how you can set the bar for competition. And so I think we preach that and we talk about having great intent and in everything you do. And, and right now we know that there's, there's the phase kind of between winter sports and getting to track and then really wanting to peak at the end of track season. And so I'm very clear. I think back in the day, and I, I hate that phrase, but I think 20 years ago, when we were getting coached, we didn't have to know the why all the time. People told us something and we did it. And that's just, that's how we did it. That's how we were raised. That's, that's kind of how our fathers were raised. And when, when you were told something to do it, kids right now want to know why, how, how is this going to help me? Why is this going to help me? And so I think you're clear with them. You've got to educate them on how you're building your strength program with them. Um, and, and by the way, we can talk about that later. I think that's one of the most important hires you're going to make on your staff is, Right along with your culture coordinator, your head coach, and your strength coach are so important to, to building a vision. But we, we talk about with our strength coach, we let our strength coach talk about, and I'm involved in that too, is just the process of where we want to peak and where we want to be and when we're maxing out and, and what this phase of our strength and conditioning is and what we want to accomplish in this phase. Right now we're, in a, we're building our core and we're getting great flexibility because we're, we're, we're about to really get into our speed portion. But we can't get into our speed portion without – 
building our core and making sure our hips are aligned and making sure we've got great flexibility and mobility. And so I just, I keep them very educated on where I want them to be. And when it's time to, to have those heavy load weeks, well, we've got to prepare and mentally and let them know I, we can't just spring it on them on a Monday. I think you've got to, you've got to show them the path. And, and then from a social media standpoint, I think coaches, I just, I, I believe that that all goes back to that culture piece and being able to relate to your kids and being able to, to stay in the moment and, and, and tweet about things that are relevant to them and their lives. And if you're not, if, if you want to be a coach that's not invested into their lives and doesn't know what's going on and doesn't know what's going on in, in the everyday world of, of the halls of your school, you're not going to relate no matter what you tweet. But if you are if you stay invested and you stay up to date with what they're doing and, and, and something happens that that's a team bonding thing and you tweet about it or you, you, you stay relevant with, with uh, your graphics and those things, that helps you connect to your kids. And I, I, I just think the coaches that say, we don't need Twitter, right? that's not for, well, guys, that's a way, that's, that's how these kids communicate. And, and if you do that, use that as a, as a branch to help you. Hey, don't, don't use it to hurt you, use it to help you. And use it to help get closer to those kids and communicate with them and do it how they do it and show them that, that you're able to do that and live in their world a little bit. And I think that's really important in the, in the social media world. Absolutely. Not only just Twitter, but now you got to evolve into Instagram and Snapchat. And Snapchat. Yeah. All I, of it. I told a kid the other day, coach, that um, I was like, man, have y'all seen our Facebook and all this for uh, MRA athletics? And they're like, coach, Facebook is for old people. And I was like, oh, wait, that's not for me then. I'm not old. Like, I'm not. So they'll tell you real quick what they think. Um, There's no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you've been in the classroom today and listening to head coach Mitch at Roosevelt High School uh, in Des Moines, Iowa. Coach Moore, really appreciate having you on. Just one last question, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spit for a minute, and then I'll turn it over to you with this question. But Coach Moore is a builder. He's been blessed to see a lot of different places, a lot of success everywhere he's been. And uh, as a builder, my question comes down to the false sense of reality that we see in society today. And I'll just go in my own coaching journey I came from the 49ers right to high school football, and we made deep runs in the playoffs here in Iowa my first two years coaching, and almost to the dome, and our school had never gotten that far, and it was a big deal, and I remember this false sense of reality, thinking to myself arrogantly as a young guy with a a great football background, I said, we could do this every year, and it's now been over a decade, and I haven't been back. Yeah, yeah. So as a builder and somebody with that false sense of reality, at least me starting out, what's your advice to other builders? What's one or two things right now that you would tell somebody else who's looking to change the direction of their program? Well, I think, you know, it's it's funny because I I had some of those similar thoughts when I was coming from college to high school and you watch tape and, well, you can do this. This is easy to beat this coverage. I'll just get in this play and be the last one with the pen and, and life's really easy. But, I think to those those guys that are and, and myself included that continues to want to build programs is just in, embrace the chase, in, in, embrace embrace the everyday you know process, if you will, on getting better. I think that's what that's what drives me as a coach is I love to find new ways to motivate kids and, and get that that sophomore who now when when the when the bell rings zero at the last game is now a junior. How are you gonna? How's he gonna get better his junior year? And, and embrace those individual moments of, of improvement. Um, and if you continually want to do that, 
And and every day is, a, is just a new day to, to get better at, at your craft as a head coach and as a communicator, as a leader. And then to get your kids every day better, you're, you're, you're going to win. And, and, and eventually you'll win wins and losses. But you're always going to win in what you're providing those kids. And when we sit down with our kids, I sat down with every one of my kids, or as many as I could in these first five weeks and had individual meetings with them. And what I talked about, you know, first and foremost is when you go through my program and our program at Roosevelt High School, we want you to come out of this a better man. And so you're a better father and husband and and community leader someday. And if we do those things where we embrace getting those kids better every single day, they're winning, right? They're they're gonna they're gonna become better in the classroom. They're gonna become good fathers and husbands someday, and, and be leaders in their community. And and I think. That's where we, we can't chase, you can't chase titles. I think you just got to embrace the everyday chase of, of, of getting better and improving those kids. And I think if you do that and, and don't, don't find something and think you can use it for 10 years, um, because I think you need to stay up to date and continue to improve. Don't, don't stay the same. I've noticed that with practice schedules. The more and more in the last couple of years, people have gotten better with not doing the same thing that they've done for 30 years is is modify those things and, and, and get with your strength coaches and understand when the best volume is to put on your kids and so that's kind of my advice to those guys that, to, to turn something around it's just every day just work on something every day to get people around you better it's amazing thank you coach uh super pumped to, uh, to connect with you uh to get you on the show it is uh it what a testimony you have from all the levels you've been of the success of a national title to coaching in college, to going one and eight, to rebuilding a program. And the focus is still on the athlete and empowering those kids and making the best man they can be for our society uh, moving forward. Uh, I appreciate it guys. I enjoyed being on today. And, and again, let's stay in touch. And, and I appreciate all you guys are doing for our sport as well as, creating positive energy around our sport. And so anytime you need me, keep in touch with me and, and uh, look forward to talking to you guys too. Okay. Thanks coach. Thanks guys. Thanks coach. JT, what a unbelievable story that coach Moore had on where he's been and what he's going to do at Roosevelt and the, the process that he has in place. Like he knows at what time, what date, that everything is going to go down with this program. And that turns into intentional relational leadership from him communicating to his kids. You know, it's so fantastic because I feel like it's just like process. I feel like right now the big buzz is everybody says, I'm going to build men. I'm going to build characters. want to be good husbands, fathers, citizens, et cetera. With coach Moore, I believe it. It's going to happen. He's going to do huge things there. And I'm a huge Teddy Roosevelt fan. So to be at Roosevelt High School, just as that president, Teddy Roosevelt, a lot of fortitude, a lot of imprint on our country. But all of a sudden, I'm a huge Des Moines Roosevelt fan. Yeah, same here. All the way down in Mississippi, I'm going to be following what they do uh, all season long. I mean, you you think he went eight and uh, excuse me, he went one and eight, JT. Yeah. And he knew he knew right then that. He had to reevaluate just a couple of things, not everything, but you heard him in the interview. He went one and eight, and he learned more in that one and eight season than he did from winning a national title when he was a player, or even when he went when he uh, 
was successful as a coach. I mean, this is guy's only second year to be a head, or second team to have as a head coach, and he's killing yeah. it. He's killing it. Well, I I think the other takeaway from that is I've been on more losing teams than winning teams, unfortunately, in my career. Uh, but when you're losing, when you're zero and nine, when you're one and eight, the easiest thing to do is blame the kids. Yeah, that's the. De- that's the default. Oh, it's not my fault. It's, you know, it's this kid, or if only this kid would do this, or if only this would happen, then we would be better. And I think the fact that he's able to sit down and reflect and say, I'm going to change things. You know, we're not going to do things that we've done for 30 years. At a small school where he was at, uh, Jefferson Scranton, I mean, it's pretty stagnant. You know, they've got a good tradition there, but there's not a lot of change in happening across that school. Right. And for him to sit down and say that self-reflection and to try to do things to be more intentional, to be relationship-driven, that's where the turnaround happens. Right. That's the worst phrase in the English language. We've always done it this way. That's the worst phrase in the English language is to hear that. And having guys that understand the importance of growth and failing equals growth, uh, it, it's going to be imp- I'm excited. I'll just say that. I'm excited to see yeah. what what Coach Mitch Moore does, his vision that he shared in his interview with us. Uh, to I guess if it's 200 days to college, we've probably got about 187 days, something like that, 186 days to high school football. But, I mean, JT, this guy's got it going, and he's got it in order. And there's going to be a – I tell you what, I could go back and be 17 years old and would want to play for Coach Moore right now. No doubt. And one of the hardest things that I did, my master's was a difficult process from start to finish. uh, But one of the most difficult things that I had to do as part of me getting my master's was put together a 365-day plan for our football team. Mm. So the fact that Coach Moore already has it, he's got it done, it goes along with his vision, he knows the things that he wants to do, he's working on that, getting that buy-in, he is leaps and bounds ahead of other coaches in the area. Yeah. What else I found interesting was he highlighted that the three most important people on your staff, beside, or the head coach, obviously, but then it's the strength and conditioning coach and your culture coordinator to make sure that your vision gets across. He never once mentioned what play they're going to run, what type of offense they're going to run, what their defense is going to be based out of. I mean, all that takes care of itself. And I think coaches need to understand and our listeners that, look, schemes are great. Don't get me wrong. X's and O's are, are you know, you got to have those plays. I mean, ask Julian Edelman about uh, why pivot. I mean, he makes so many plays off of that. But it comes with the culture and the vision of what the Patriots do. It's what Robert Kraft put in place. It's what Tom Brady does for that team. It's what Bill Belichick has done as a coach and the time that he spent, I mean, when he was hired there, you think about it. Uh, they said it was a flop hire, and now this guy's won six. Um, and they said the Patriots were down, but it goes back to their culture and they're tough, and they're just gonna get it done. And the X and O's are X and O's. It doesn't matter if you run split back veer, wing T, or spread. It, it it is what it is. Your kids have to buy into what you're selling them inside of your program. You're totally right with the Patriots organization. 
Uh, there's a lot of literature out there, but there's a book that I read called Brady and Belichick. And it's like the, the pieces in New England are movable. Everybody's removable except for Brady and Belichick. But it's like this year it's Brady and Edelman. Next year it might be Brady and somebody else. Next year it might be Edelman and somebody else. I mean, when you get to a culture where the names don't matter, but the success and the expectations stay the same, you're on a different level. That's right. Totally agree. Uh, my big takeaway from Coach Moore was how mundane we are right now in February. It's cold here in Iowa, snow on the ground. You know, winter sports are kind of dragging on. I'm trying to finish up wrestling season, basketball kind of in that grind too. And no one's thinking about football. And so when you can make a Tuesday in Iowa in February as important as a playoff game in November on a Friday night under the lights, that's, that's a huge challenge. That's a Mount Rushmore type challenge. And coach Moore is doing that every day, every day, every day, clean slate. There's a lot of people that say it, but again, you feel it with coach Moore and you know that it's going to be impactful. Absolutely. JT, what a, what a day in the classroom. Uh, I don't know about you, man. That's, (laughs) that was a good cup of coffee to have, uh, to hear how coaches, uh, are, are impacting kids everywhere in our nation. I got better today. No doubt. Man, um, if you have any questions or more insight on the Culture Classroom podcast, follow us on Twitter at CultureClass19. Uh, go to iTunes, subscribe, and give us a like if you uh, liked episodes one through seven. I don't know why you wouldn't like them. Um, especially if you're a coach, but give us a five-star rating, uh, or whatever you see fit, but subscribe. We're also on SoundCloud and, uh, we will also be venturing into Spotify for the ones that do Spotify. We are going on Spotify as of Friday when this was recorded. Uh, so if you're already listening to this, uh, we're probably already on Spotify, but JT, a big shout out to Lyman Issues, to O-Line Probs on Twitter. Uh, JT, I'll let you tell them what we did. Yeah, first of all, they're sending us some some free swag, so that's phenomenal. Uh, Appreciate that, lineman props. If you're a football coach or if you're even a big guy who was a lineman maybe when you played, go follow at lineman props. The things they post are are for the big nasties, and and, uh, it's great. They've got a whole array of clothing options. Um, I know a couple years ago my brother-in-law, bought me a, uh, a a shirt from their website because I'm a big trap guy. You know, trap was our best play in 2018 uh, for the running back standpoint. And uh, so I wear my trap shirt to, to uh, football practice and it's got the design to play on it. And people are like, Coach Torrey, you're a nerd. No, I'm just a big kid who's never let go of my football dream. So, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to what they're sending our way, but they got stuff for everybody. Go check them out. That'll do it for today's episode, man. It's uh, it's about to rain here. I don't know what's doing up there, but uh, we got 70 degrees today, 77 tomorrow, and then on Thursday it drops to a uh, for us in the South bone chilling 44 degrees, which that's your golf weather. <laughs> 44 degrees is when I go get my golf clubs and I uh, start heading out to the range. But uh, <laughs> you know, it was hailing on me this morning on my way to school. So oh, man. Uh, 
and yesterday it was minus 20. So oh. it's okay. It's that, it's that work ethic. It's just uh, January, February in Iowa, and, uh, you know, we're just holding on until the end of spring. Well, JT, that's been an awesome episode of the Culture Classroom. Thank you again to Coach Moore. Appreciate you jumping, uh, jumping on the show with us. And uh, JT, that'll do it for today, man. I'll holler at you next time.